Thank you for joining us. We've made it through another month, and now we are in October of this global pandemic. We're going to make it, guys. 2020 is almost over. But while we're in it, let's do as much as we can to help people that are suffering from mental illness. October supports Mental Illness Awareness Week, October 4th to October 10th, but we're dedicating the entire month to talking about mental health, mental illness, depression, anxiety, OCD, addiction, alcoholism. And we are very happy to have you here to contribute to helping each other get better. If you are thinking of suicide, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. We need you here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 100th show. I can't believe it. And we have a special treat for you today because it's the 100th show. I really went out on a limb because I have read this book and I look forward to reading many others from Peter Kagayama. Now I'm going to say it wrong. I'm yeah, so sorry. You got it. That's good. Did I? You got it right, Kagayama. Peter, how do you think you say my last name? Feckety. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, darn smart, this guy. So I'm so excited to have Peter here today because I heard him speak, I don't even know how many years ago it was, and I was so enthralled. And you wrote in my book, To Sharon, The Doctor Whisperer, Keep It Fun, Peter. Yeah. And I've been keeping it fun, even, you know, in a pandemic, you have to. I think it's even more important in a pandemic, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So. You are actually the first person I'm having on the show to talk about like the well-built environment and how important healthy cities and connecting the environment to our well-being, which I'm actually, as I'm saying, I'm like, I can't even believe you're the first one because I myself am in a wellness building and I live and breathe what you are currently doing. So Peter, will you tell our audience about a little bit about you and, and what you're doing? Sure. Well, broadly speaking, I talk about love and emotional engagement with places, why it's a good thing for people to fall in love with their cities. And, you know, that does seem like kind of an obvious thing. It's like, yeah, of course, love matters. Um, But once we sort of start nodding our heads and agree that, okay, love matters, um, then ask the sort of follow-up question says, well, then how do you do that? And that's a little tougher because there's not really a playbook for love. You know, there's not, you know, something that America can go to or a city council can sort of get on and say, oh, yeah, love, one, two, three, four, five. No, um, it's about creating conditions. And obviously, for purposes of, of our audience today, one of those conditions, you know, has to do with our, our health. But when we, do, when we talk about health, we usually think of like the physical well-being of people. Of course, that's, you know, obviously central. But there's an emotional and a spiritual component to that, a psychological component to that. And that's maybe the part that cities are not as aware of. And that's what I'm trying to get them to start considering in the mix, to not only worry about the, the physical well-being, of course, of our residents, uh, but the mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being as well. I think your job is so damn cool, Peter. It is. I, I have to agree with you on that. <laughs> I, do. Uh, I love what I do, yeah. Yeah. So tell me how you got started in this. Just um, I'm sure that you have your own personal passion for this because you couldn't do it as well as you do unless you had that. So why don't you just tell us a little bit how this parlayed into your life? 
So in like 2003, I was, uh, I was a marketing consultant um, uh, doing some independent work here. I'd been in the community for, you know, 10 plus years. Uh, and my, my then wife brought home Richard Florida's book, a uh, book by the, by the name of The Rise of the Creative Class. And this was a sort of seminal book in community and economic development uh, in the early 2000s. And she said, hey, read this because we're bringing him to Tampa Bay. She's part of the group that brought him there for the, here for the first time. And the idea that he sort of talked about was really kind of revelatory at the time. He's talking about creativity and innovation and the importance of creative and innovative people to communities and to markets. And it's like, wow, this is really cool. Um, and so that was kind of got what me fired up. In fact, it got a lot of people fired up. We created an organization called Creative Tampa Bay, and I became, eventually became the president of that. And one thing leads to another. And at some point, I was thinking a lot more about cities than I was about internet and marketing and all that other stuff. And I kind of became a city guy and starts to, I start to get more and more experience working with other cities. And, you know, three books later, I'm the city love guy. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. So I, I know that you're in St. Pete, which is mm-hmm. really and truly the hippest and coolest place to be. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty uh, darn I, cool. Yeah. When I moved here 16 years ago from New York, I didn't know how I was going to survive because I couldn't find a city that reminded me anything of New York. And certainly it wasn't St. Pete. No. No. Until now. So correct me if I'm wrong, because um, I believe this is how it went down just in St. Pete. Um, We had Rick Baker, Mm -hmm. who was um, really interested in having some connectivity to match people, community, restaurants, and all of that together to make it more of, of really a community. Because when you talk about love and, and spirituality, I do think about community. And mm-hmm. we're going to talk a little bit, of course, about mental yeah. health, because we would have to if we're talking yeah. about where we live. Yeah. But um, is, that, is that what you recall happened in St. Pete? Yeah, I mean, St. Pete has been, you know, an overnight success. It's been 25 years in the making. You know, I, I've lived here long enough to remember, you know, the uh, the sort of the early iterations, early, you know, the the, the original, the well, the last pier, um, the the Bay Corporation, or what was it? What was the name of that one that was down here? They were trying to do something forever. And then, yeah, and downtown St. Pete was really quite moribund. And yeah, you can kind of point to Rick Baker as one of the people who things started to get very, very visible, I think, under his administration. But I think you got to give credit to the leaders even beyond, you know, before that. You know, folks help start to bring baseball here, start to think, put us on the map in that way, you know, Mayor Fisher. So, yeah, but by the time Rick gets into office, yeah, there's, there's activity that's happening. Downtown is starting to click along just a little bit. There's development, Saturday morning market. Along comes some really cool entities like the studio at 620 and some other stuff is happening. So, yeah, Rick gets a lot of credit and he absolutely deserves it. Uh, but, you know, he, there was other stuff that was happening even before that. And he helped take that to the next level. Yeah, because I remember hearing him speak about the book that he wrote, Walkable City. No, and- the, the Seamless City. Seamless city. Yes. The walkable city is Jeff Speck. Okay. Rick was the seamless city. The seamless city. Well, I, I didn't, I never thought that I would even honestly have like a love or a passion, but I've always had a love and a passion for economic development. I've always loved to watch how if we make trails and we have enough parks and right. we, we provide fresh food and fresh markets, how Thank people will naturally come together. So, so you've not only, you know, talked about um, what you do and, and the books that you've written here. I mean, you've traveled all over 
Well, not right now in COVID, but. So not since March, but yes. Yeah, it's been a good journey. I've got a lot of frequent flyer miles uh, yeah. there. Spoken all over the U.S., North America, and a lot of places around the world as well. Because the thing about it, love shouldn't be just an American message around that. And it's clearly not. There's not, you know, there's not a Chinese love of place or a New Zealand love of place or an Eng you know, England or France, uh, French love of place. It's just love of place because we're all people, languages and, you know, some cultural differences aside, everybody kind of responds to a lot of the, the core things, a lot of the basic things that great places, you know, have in common. Yeah. And I think that because you're so well-traveled and, you know, my parents are from Ireland and I've always had that green kind of love. And um, I think travel and understanding that bringing people together, kind of like what has happened in St. Petersburg, because Florida brings people from all different cities in. Yes. Um, and, and then they start, right? And then they start putting their their little creative brains together. And before you know it, we have a, a cool downtown like we have today. Well, yeah, you get a lot of interesting sort of turnover. I mean, that's one of the beneficiaries of being in, you know, a, a place that does have a lot of, you know, transience. And sometimes that is a negative. And there is some, you know, something to be said about that. But we do get a lot of new energy and a lot of new, you know, activity, new ideas. And I often find, I, again, I travel, see, talk to a lot of people in a lot of places. Sometimes the newcomers or the relative newcomers are the ones that actually love their places the most because they're seeing it with fresher eyes. They don't have quite as much, you know, history um, mm -hmm. with a place, you know, uh, there. So, yeah, the, I think there's something really to be said for people just like discovering St. Pete's. Like, oh, my God, it's the coolest place ever. Or, you know, Tampa Bay or wherever. Uh, I, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, newcomers. Well, I love that you talk about love so much when it comes to the cities, because I truly love where I live. I mean, I adore just the fact that we have the sun out most of the time, right? Yeah, our weather's pretty good. Makes a, a pretty big difference in a pandemic. It, it absolutely does. I think it certainly made it. I think winter is going to be uh, a bit more challenging for folks, you know, heading back indoors. I mean, we've all, you know, we've all come to appreciate how important our outdoor environment actually is to us. You know, and half the country is going to be, you know, heading into, you know, the depths of a very long gray, you know, fall and winter. I, I'm originally from Ohio. I remember those, you know, falls and winters uh, there. And once, you know, the once, you know, Halloween, Thanksgiving and, and Christmas are the three cool days when it's, you know, when it's cold and kind of, you know, it's like, yeah, you like that. No, after Christmas, I'm, I'm ready for spring. I think that's, you know, so that is, we are the beneficiaries of certainly that kind of environment. Yeah. It's, yeah. And I'm quite sure that you've enjoyed as much as I have seeing so many people come outside. Yes. I mean, that, nature. that is actually, I think, really kind of important. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about sort of obviously health uh, there. As human beings, you know, there's limits to, I don't care how well designed your home is uh, there. At some point, you're going to go a little stir crazy. It's like, I got to get out of here. And you mentioned that you were from New York, and that's really, I think, one of the things that is driving that sort of narrative that people are, are fleeing New York. It's like, I don't think that's really the case. But obviously, apartments, uh, homes are, are, are much smaller. So think about, as a New Yorker, you are highly, highly dependent upon the exterior environment to really make your life work. Yeah. You know, here, you know, we have more single family homes, you know, a little more space and all that. We're not quite as dependent, but clearly we have this connection. We need this connection with our city. And when, you know, stores are closed and restaurants are closed, well, where are you going to go? I'm going to go to the park. I'm going to go to the, you know, the, you know, green space. I'm going to go look at the water. I'm going to go ride my bike. That's what's proven to be so important in this uh, time. It's always been important. It's been even more so this year. Oh, yes. And I remember... 
Hey, quick interruption on this amazing podcast, but we have to tell you about our awesome sponsor, Thai Technology. They are so cool, and they're here in Tampa Bay, if you're a Tampa Bay listener. Thai Technology is the best voice over IP business phone service company out there. How do I know this? I used to work in telecom before I worked with doctors. That's right. So I know me a good phone system when I see it. Plus, they are integrated with Zoom. They are the only ones that are integrated with Zoom. And if you mention this podcast or you mention the Facebook show, they're going to hook you up with three months for free. Follow them on Facebook and on Instagram. Thai Technology Rocks. Just, I couldn't handle the gray anymore. It was one of the, the reasons I, I kicked my butt here by myself um, 16 years ago. And I definitely suffered without knowing that I suffered from seasonal disorder. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I really, it made all of the difference because mm-hmm. living in Long Island, I had access to the water, but you only have access to good weather, they say three months, but it's really just two. Yeah. And being able to ride my bicycle on the boardwalk for those few months was so paramount for me. So to be able to be here and all year round, having the opportunity to to embrace the outdoors is incredible for for our mental health, for our physical health, for really everything. Absolutely, you know. And couple that with a pretty good park system. You know, the Pinellas Trail is is a wonderful asset, uh, you know, there. So, yeah, we've done well in, in you know, uh, in, on multiple fronts. We have. Tell us about your new book, Peter. So the book uh, came out in 2019, uh, end of last year. It was called The Emotional Infrastructure of Places. And it turns out that was actually a pretty prescient sort of title because what this, as we're talking about here, what the pandemic has really revealed is how important the infrastructure of our lives, everything about uh, our lives is supported by this infrastructure. And we, you know, we tend to think about infrastructure as roads and bridges and schools and power grids. And of course, all that's really important. Uh, But what's been revealed in all of this is how important stuff like green space and parks actually is uh, there. The retail environment, restaurants are incredibly important to us. You know, uh, I think we didn't appreciate that until you know, restaurants were sort of denied to us, uh, you know, there. Our pets, our, especially our dogs, have proven to be incredibly important, you know, to yeah. us. Um, we tend to, you know, I talked about canine infrastructure in this last book. And the reason I talked about that is because canine infrastructure actually supports our, because the dogs are essentially our emotional infrastructure. Yeah. You know, um, I know you're a dog owner. I'm a dog yeah. owner. Um, and even if you're not, I think as an observer of, of just people, it's like there seems to be a difference in the relationship people have with their dogs now than the one that we did maybe when we were kids, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we always loved the dog, but the dog wasn't a family member the way dog, you know, it is now. Mm-hmm. Well, why is that? Well, it's because the dog has become kind of more important to us because we've created this, you know, this, this sort of overall environment that's kind of has its unhealthy elements, you know, uh, the, the stress, the alienation, the, the, the constant, you know, the, uh, our, our commute when we had one, you know, the, the pressures on social media, you know, there's physical manifestations, all that stuff. Well, dogs actually help alleviate a lot of that. You know, it gets us out of the house. It makes us exercise it. You know, we're, we're focused on something external. The dogs make us be a little more social, right? So the dogs have become our emotional infrastructure because of all the other sort of negative externalities of this stuff we've built. Well, we need to support that. So now the dog, you know, the dog park becomes really important. And you know, where you walk your dog is kind of a big deal. You know, you feel connected to those places, you know, and and all of that. So this idea of emotional infrastructure has, I think, kind of landed very spot on this year. 
Because now I just have to point to, hey, think about your park and how important that is to you now. And I go, oh yeah, I get it now. Yeah, uh, and maybe thank the way that You yeah. know, I mean, there really is such a silver lining um, when talking about what we've all gone through, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I am, I tend to, to always look for that silver lining. You know, I've, I've yeah. loved the fact that I don't have to get on an airplane as much. I love the fact that I, I don't think I've driven to Tampa more than four times since March. <laughs> Sorry, Tampa, that's not a shot, but yeah. Right, I, mean, I still like you and everything, but I would drive to St. Petersburg more. Yeah. Um, and I'm near the beach, you know, um, in, in Largo. And I think that just having access to, to what we have is so important. It's totally shifted. Um, the things that are most important to us, like you mentioned, are our animals. I mean, Charlie Brown is laying right underneath me right now, listening to every word you're saying, Peter. And he thinks no, I'm brilliant. Yeah, yeah. He does. <laughs> <laughs> but really, and to be able to see families walking around, it's been really, really nice. Yes. Um, there's a great book uh, called The Hilarious World of Depression. It's also a podcast. Yeah, and it, I know it's like this hilarious right. world of depression, but really, once you have suffered, like myself back in my 20s, um, you really have this relationship with other people that have suffered and you know looking at the bright side of things right. and he has this whole chapter dedicated to to like how animals are are so important to our emotional support yes. so we're all connected you know mm -hmm. and this um the community that you're you're discussing in your books and and how we stay connected and we we build cities that um that just make it it better for us to live outdoors yep. Yeah, to, or, or if not, not necessarily even just outdoors. I mean, really good built environments, you know, uh, really matter uh, as well. You know, um, there's the importance of, the, of what I call, you know, I, I don't, I didn't coin the term, but, uh, but the term is third spaces, right? It's not home, it's not work, it's somewhere in between. Well, if you think about it, pretty much the, the city writ broad is a third space, but certainly things like parks, uh, there are libraries, um, you know, and the traditional ones, the idea of like coffee shops uh, are those natural sort of gathering places. So, you know, designing those better so that they actually meet some, you know, needs beyond just be, be, being functional and safe, but actually helps facilitate other stuff. Yeah, that's that's sort of the goal. Totally. You know, and I was on the Global Wellness Institute does these really great weekly um, events that I've been a part of. And Delos was on, who's the a company in New York City that certifies these buildings, the building that I'm in in Clearwater. Well, the wellness um, buildings. Yes, I think yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and to be in, I'm not in one right now. I'm not in my office right now. I'm in my home, which I'm very happy to be in with my dog. But, you know, to, to be in a space that has greenery and has no EMF yeah. waves, there's no microwave, it all makes such a difference. So I'm kind of jelly of your job. A little bit, Peter. Well, we're both sort of in the business of creating better, you know, environments. You know, you just come at it from a, you know, a sort of a, a health perspective. I come at it from a sort of urban design perspective. But it, I guess that's it's, maybe it's a little broader even than that. But yeah, what is it? We all want people to be happier, healthier, live in cool places, have more fun. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it has everything to do with health. It has everything to do with healthcare. Yeah. I mean, even going into a space and seeing mm -hmm. that there's like, you know, lab lights that I, you know, that's like yeah. a rat should be running around in them because they're blinking. All of that stuff is bad for us. You know, we need like circadian lighting, we need natural light. And I think that designing these spaces, not just our cities, indoors, outdoors, yes. it really makes such a, a great improvement on our, not just our physical health, but our mental health. 
And don't you think that one of the benefits or one of the upsides of coming out of this is that we are going to have a newfound appreciation for the everyday health of not having to worry about, you know, COVID or some of these other kinds of things. And don't you think there's also going to be a, a huge number of really good sort of habits that come out of this? People washing their hands more, being a little more conscientious of how they, you know, they sneeze. Or there's the simple idea that says, you know, I'm not feeling good today. Maybe I shouldn't go into work. I think those little changes, you know, over time are going to have, I think, a pretty significant impact uh, on the way, you know, we all, all lead our lives. I hope, and it's, I think, mostly for the better in that sense. I agree with you. I've said it so many times, and I'm sure you would agree. Um, I know that this has been a, a very difficult time for so many people, including myself. We've all had our, our nuances throughout this pandemic that we've, we've gone through, but I definitely want to come out better than I came in. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good goal, uh, you know, there. Um, obviously, a lot of people are struggling. You know, I think we have the virtue of like, I can kind of do what I do remotely. You can write, you can do, you know, this kind of stuff. But yeah, it's, you know, we're, we're very lucky in that sense. Uh, so yeah, those of us who have that luxury, it's like, yes, we kind of owe it to ourselves and, you know, to maybe the work that we do to, yeah, come out of this a little bit better, which yeah, leads yeah. me to, I'm actually working on another book. Ooh, so, let's hear about it. Well, yeah, it's actually, um, next year is going to be the 10 year anniversary of my first book for the love of cities. So I'm actually doing sort of for the love of cities revisited. Uh, I'm going back and I'm looking at that uh, that book. I'm sort of writing almost commentary on stuff that I think I got right, where I was maybe a little off base, updating some of the data, because I think the you know the points are still really valid. In fact, maybe even more important, you know, today uh, there. But it was kind of cool, or it's been kind of cool to sort of go back in and look at that, check in with some of the people that I wrote about there. What are they doing now? Uh, you know, there. And uh, yeah, so that should be out. Um, I'm just now talking with the publisher and some other stuff. So yeah, it's like late Q1 next year. Yeah, for the love of cities revisited. But we'll That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I really, I mean, I highly recommend your work, your books. I really, I'll never forget listening to, I was like, oh my God, this is it's exactly what we need. We really need to pay more attention to how where we live affects us, our, our, our hearts, our minds, our bodies, right? And how we, how you and I can affect the where, where we live as well. It's not just what the city is doing to us, that we share a responsibility in all this. And we can shape it in pretty significant ways. We don't necessarily think we have a whole lot of power, but sometimes, you know, you get the right idea and maybe we start really small and it's hyper-local. But yeah, we absolutely impact our cities, sometimes quite significantly. We really do. It really is. It's all about, it's all about us. It's all about the people. Let's see what we could bring to the table versus what we can get out of it. Right, Peter? That'd be nice. Yeah. Wouldn't it though? <laughs> well, Peter, thank you so much. I'm especially grateful that you were here for our 100th episode 100th since the pandemic started. Yeah, yeah pretty cool. cool. And congrats on your 10 years of your first book. That's really uh, wonderful. I'm so glad you'll right. be revisiting. I will be reading the book as well. All right. Thank you, Sharon. Thank Stay you, safe. Peter. You too. Bye-bye. Don't forget to check out Thai Technology. Anyone that mentions this podcast or the Facebook show will receive three free months of service. T-I-E Technology. Check them out. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. We would love it if you subscribed. 
This way you'll get notified every time there's a new episode, which in fact are Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Please feel free to leave a review. It really helps us and we appreciate your support. Thank you.